before. I worked for a school and I was one of the teachers in charge of their after-school program, which meant that my after-school consisted of me versus 18 three-year-olds, a 20-minute round of snack, and so I think I have a pretty decent understanding as to what it's like to be a shepherd. Your, your entire goal was maybe if you could just get the kids not to fall out of their chairs or climb on the table or, tables or steal each other's snacks or, or if you could avoid having any blood or tears, you generally counted the day as a win. But then, then it was time for recess. And you had to get the kids, 18 three-year-olds, from this one room in the center of the building outside into those green pastures that were surrounded by walls so that they could not possibly get out. But between, between the classroom and the outdoors was a treacherous hallway. Pictures to distract the kids. Book bags just being left on the ground. Trying to take a bath in the water fountain as we walked down the hall. Open doors that they just thought they would walk through. Teachers that would walk by and they'd get really distracted. And eventually you realize that you were sort of just acting like a shepherd trying to get them down the hall just to this one area so that, so that you could get them to this pasture of, of safety. Yes, I think I might understand what it's like to be a shepherd. But not quite like our good shepherd. In Psalm 23, perhaps the most notable psalm that is in the Bible, Psalm 23. I'm sure some of you know it, know it by heart. Here we see the good shepherd. <laughs> the one that's not just there to try to make sure there's no blood, blood or tears or, or to make sure they get, we get outside safely. But instead, a shepherd that is there to supply every single need bodily and spiritually. And I think what's really cool is the person that wrote Psalm 23, it's a psalm of David. And if there was one guy, one guy that you would think, nah, it doesn't really fit the description of a sheep, it's King David. Successful, powerful, perhaps the, the most well-known king to ever rule over Israel, there is no way that person's a sheep. A roaring lion, perhaps? A self-sustaining, independent wolf, maybe, but not a defenseless sheep. And yet here, in Psalm 23, calls himself a sheep. And, and I think the reason that his psalm resonates so well with us is because it sort of depicts life as a mess. Oh yes, certainly, certainly we look forward to the green pastures. We look forward to the, the quiet waters, but... But even in the psalm, you can hear that, that David feels as if he is skirting by in life. He feels as if his life is, is a roller coaster of, of highs and lows. And yet everything that he says here is said with certainty. Not as a hope or a guess, but instead he says it as a fact. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Is there, is there a better life than this? Is there a better life than being led from place to place by the Lord Jesus, who is the good shepherd, who loves us dearly? Could you imagine anything better than knowing that your needs have been completely taken care of by Jesus? David clearly seems to know it. And maybe we read this psalm and we go, King David, where are my quiet waters? 
Where's my green pasture? You look at your life and, and you see it and, and you go, there is just no way. I maybe, maybe was in a green pasture for like 20 minutes one time. But besides that, it has been nothing but highs and lows, chaos and unknown. And yet David still says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I sort of wish that we knew when he wrote this psalm. Because it would really, would really color color the psalm in a lot more clear way for us. We look at, at those first few verses and we say, yeah, the, the quiet waters sound nice. The green pasture sounds wonderful. But I still feel like I'm the one that's walking through verse 4. I feel like I'm the one walking through the darkest valley, this valley of the shadow of death. And if we where King David was at in his life when he wrote this psalm, maybe we would understand what his valley of the shadow of death was at that time. If he wrote it earlier in his life, it could have been at that time when he was fleeing all over the region because King Saul was hunting him down and trying to kill him. God had elected King Saul to be the king and then Saul had acted unfaithfully and, and, he had, and God told Saul that, guess what? David is going to follow after you. And you could imagine Saul was pretty, pretty ticked off to the point that he tracks David down. He chases him all over the place wanting to kill him. Yes, maybe that was this deep, dark valley, this valley of the shadow of death and, and David's walking around his life going, I, I'm skirting death all the way not knowing if, if he's going to wake up and have another day in this world. Or maybe his valley was a little more spiritual. Maybe he wrote this later on in life. Shortly after the prophet Nathan came to him and, and called him out for his sin. We all remember David who had committed this gross, egregious, nasty sin against Bathsheba and her husband Uriah and he had lived for a time in complete abject unrepentance and then God sends the prophet Nathan to him and Nathan says brother you are a sinner could it be at this time when he when he writes Psalm 23 and he realizes that these last months and years of his life when, when he's been living in unrepentant sin have been just that, a, a deep, dark valley of death, spiritual death that he has incurred here on earth. Yeah, King David understood the roller coaster of life. He understood the messiness of life and he also understood his deep need for a good shepherd to get him through. What's your valley of the shadow of death? What is your deep, dark valley, that, that place where you are, are walking? Is it, is it living in this world and, and you see loved ones getting older and, and passing away? Do your friends that are, are getting diseases and are no more? Or is it you? walking in this deep, dark valley, knowing, knowing that you are closer to the end of days than to the beginning of days. Does that bring the, the terror and the uncertainty? Does it bring fear? Or maybe your deep, dark valley 
is more spiritual like David. We all have them, don't we? Those sins that we take on very close to ourselves, and they cause us to push other people away, and we will push them away as hard as we possibly can, and, and we're going we're gonna to try to hide from those people, hide from God, so that we wouldn't possibly have to own up and face the sins that we've committed against God and the rest of the world around us. And so we run, off, we run off into that valley of the shadow of darkness and death, and we think there, there we will be able to hide. We'll be able to get away from God. We'll be able to cling to our sin, and we will finally be away from all the judgment. And that big, bad tyrant that is God and his judgment will stay so far away from me. And we do that. We get to that deep, dark valley. And our sinful nature looks around and goes, I think I got away from him. I think the Lord can't find me here. And just as the sinful nature thinks that it's catching its breath, it turns around and there it is. Surely and love will follow me all the days of my life. I, the word follow just doesn't even do justice to what, what that phrase is actually saying. This is a chase. This is a hunt. The goodness and graciousness of the Lord, that loving kindness that he has for us, is pursuing us relentlessly. That even when we think that we are hiding from God in this valley of darkness and he can't see us and we don't even want him to see us, we turn around and there he is again, using people in our lives, using the word, using our church to bring us back to him. That's what we need the shepherd for. To chase us down with that goodness and mercy. As I read this phrase, I couldn't help but think of uh, something that happened a couple months ago uh, right across the street. Jamie and I were down here with some other folks from church and, and we were attending one of the, the festivals that was being held down here and we had brought our dog. And our dog had, had wrapped herself around us and had, had gotten her chain so tightly wound and she had been so scared that it unhooked, and she was gone. And there goes Callie into the valley of the shadow of death that is Richland Avenue, and what do you think I did? I took all of the things that were in my hands, and I dropped them, I put them on the ground, and I went right after her, charging after her into the valley of the shadow of Richland Avenue, weaving through traffic, going by people, hoping for the best. That is the attitude with which our God pursues us, with his goodness and his love and his mercy. It follows us all the days of our lives. It tracks us down even when we're those lost sheep that have no interest, no interest in the shepherd ever finding us again. That's why those first verses are true, even when they don't feel like they are. That's why I can confidently say as our good shepherd, our Savior gives us what we need. I lack nothing. We lack nothing because our Savior has promised never to allow us to avoid his gaze. We can confidently say if I do not have something in my life, that's okay. God has given me every single thing I need. He makes me lie down in green pastures. This is God giving us that spiritual rest. You could, you could imagine how wonderful it must be to be a sheep to see that he's, he or she is in the sheep pen 
and look around and know the shepherd is there and the walls are up and the danger is on the outside and you're safe. That's what God gives to you in this life right now. When you commune with him in the word, there is safety there. There is quietness there. He leads me beside quiet waters. This world is so full of of chaos and of corruption and of heartache and of unknown. And God says, the waters that I lead you to are anything but. I lead you there to quench your soul, to restore you with my word, to restore you with the sacrament of baptism and to restore you with the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. To give you that courage and that strength to continue to live on in a world that is anything but quiet and placid waters. This is why these first verses apply to us so well. Because when Jesus says, he guides me, or when David says, he guides me along the paths of righteousness, we know that Christ does the same for us because you and I don't have the ability to do so on our own. That is life under the good shepherd. It's one of refreshment. It's one of true, real peace for real people. I don't know why I've been thinking about it recently. I'm, I'm assuming it's because, uh, because we're going to have a baby in about four months. But I've been thinking about all of the people that I've heard say this phrase, and I'm sure you've heard it too. I just don't want to bring a child in to this wicked and corrupt world. Have, has anybody heard somebody say that in their life? I just wouldn't want to bring a child into this world. And maybe you can sort of understand the heartache, the corruption, the betrayal, the pain. Each of us comes to this room with a unique story and a unique background that is so full of all of those things that I don't even have to tell you. You you know. You know all of those wicked, awful things that can happen in this world, all of these wicked and awful things that almost certainly will happen in your life, all of these wicked and awful things that you will commit against other people. And so maybe for a second you think, you know what, there's a fair point to to saying, I don't want to bring a child into this world, but brothers and sisters, I have confidence, not because the world is going to change, because I'm led by the good shepherd who doesn't turn his back on his people when things get difficult, who doesn't turn his back on his people because they are are wretched, wretched sinners. I have hope that, that, that Christ prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies and that he'll prepare a table before my child in the presence of her enemies. Why? Because he has promised to do it. He has promised That where she goes, where I go, where you go, he goes with you. That's the most most beautiful passage in this entire psalm. It it finds itself actually right in the middle. That's, That's one of the cool things about psalms is that sometimes they're written so that the most important words in the whole psalm are right in the middle. And these are the ones that are there. I will not fear evil, for you are with me. You with me, the good shepherd watching over his people, caring for his people, and yes, saving his people. That's why we don't need to fear evil. 
because we've got a good shepherd that took himself and threw himself to the wolves of sin and death so that you and I could run away from the scene free. Our good shepherd is truly just that. He is a good, a great, a perfect shepherd who leaves us wanting, needing absolutely nothing. And that's why we celebrate Good Shepherd Sunday. Because he lives to be our good shepherd. He lives to be the one that, that we can always go to. And if I have that good shepherd, the Father who created me, the Son who redeemed me, and the Holy Spirit that guards, protects, and sustains me every single day in this walk, then I don't need to fear evil. Because our good shepherd reigns for you. Amen. Now may the peace which goes beyond all human understanding, may it guard and keep our hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.